welcome Nexus Church family online to our series in the book of Mark that's self-titled. In the series, we're exploring the life of Jesus and applying it to our personal lives. If you have more questions or if you would like to get a hold of us, go to nexuschurchmn.com. You can find all the information on there as well as emailing nexuschurchmn at gmail.com. You can check us out on Facebook, but we'd love to connect with you and help you to connect to Jesus. Enjoy today's message. Welcome back, Nexus Church family, to our series in the book of Mark. In this series, we've been looking at the life of Jesus and applying his truths that he shares with his followers to our own personal lives. Now this week, we come upon a passage in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus addresses a rich young ruler, and he asks him a very specific question. And maybe it's a question that we need to ask ourselves. In short, to summarize, where's your heart? Where is your heart in relationship to God? Or maybe a different way of saying it in the title, what's got your heart? What's got your heart? Who has your heart? Where is your heart with Jesus? And so today, we'll be taking a look at this this specific story of the rich young ruler in examining our own hearts. And so, if you would, uh, if you want to follow in your Bibles in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31, and uh, I'm reading in the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB. If it's a little different than yours, uh, you understand. And so Jesus was setting out on a journey, and a man ran up and knelt down before him. And asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good, Jesus asked him. No one is good except for God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. He said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from my youth. And looking at him, Jesus loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. You've covered them all except for one. Go, sell all you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. But he was dismayed by the demand and went away grieving because he had many possessions. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it is for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were astonished at his words. Again, Jesus said to them, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. They were even more astonished. I don't know how you can get more astonished than astonished, but they were even more so, saying to one another, then who can be saved? Looking at them, Jesus said, with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Peter began to tell him, look, we have left everything and followed you. 
truly I tell you, Jesus said, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mothers or father or children or fields or for my sake and for the sake of the gospel who will not receive a hundred times more now at this time houses, brothers and sisters, mothers, children and fields with persecutions and eternal life in the age to come. But many who are first will be last. The last, first. So there's so much in this passage. But what I really found fascinating or intriguing was this young man's greeting to Jesus. He called him good teacher. Now, according to many theologians, which obviously Jesus says himself in this passage, this term was used for a perfect sinless teacher. A, a term that was never used on a person. Only God himself. And so in this passage, this young man addresses Jesus as God. That's important to remember because he accepts and admits that Jesus truly is who he says he is. He had some kind of faith in Jesus as being God. That's important. That's important. But then... He follows up with this very important question. I believe that you are Jesus. I believe that you are the Son of God. So therefore, what must I do to enter this kingdom of God? What must I do? You see, he, he thought he was good enough because Jesus goes through all of this list. And he says, I've done it since I was young. Right? I, I, I've been good to others. I've treated them honorably. I haven't lied. I haven't taken advantage of anyone. He was the classic teacher's pet, or he was that person that we, we know that stays extra long and works hard and, and doesn't give up until the job is done, works off the clock. He was that person. And because of that, he attained great success. He had worked up that chain of command. And now, he wasn't only just successful, he had great wealth. He had been there for a while. A rich young man. Something that people would take their, their whole career to attain. He had done it as a young person. He was that guy. Those that everybody else complained about because he was always doing everything right. Honorably. In, in Jesus' day, that had to be a pretty good person because nobody who cheated or lied or, or cut corners would get to the top of the chain. This was a very legalistic community. And yet he had successfully done it. But then Jesus laid down the infamous statement. The one that cuts to the heart. It cuts to our heart, if we were to be honest, you lack one thing. You lack one thing. You see, his ladder to success was leaning against the wrong building. He had worked his butt off to get to be successful, to gain the wealth, the recognition. He could retire at 30 years old. He'd done it all. And he got to the top and he found that 
is all for nothing. How demoralizing that must have been. He looks around and he says, I did everything right, Jesus. I want to be one of yours. Jesus says, all that success, all that hard work, you, you followed all the laws of Moses to the T. But you did it out of the wrong motives. You did it to be recognized. You did it to become successful, to gain wealth. The kingdom of this world is not my kingdom. Heaven isn't something you work for. It's something that's given. It's a gift. And in that moment, he recognized that <laughs> he had failed at what really mattered. Now let's be real and be honest. We all have something that we've tried to work towards and, and we've realized that we get to that place and it wasn't what we thought it was going to be. Maybe we have a couple of things. Maybe we've been around the mountain more than three or four times and we realize that we just keep going around and doing the same thing and getting the same results. You see, Romans 3.23 says it so perfectly. We've all failed, right? We all fall short of God's standard. We all are in the rich young ruler's boat with our ladder leaning up against the wrong building. But then, this is where it gets so wonderful. And this is where our hope must be in today. You see, our efforts fail. But with God, all things are possible. Right? Jesus looks to the disciples, and they're like, How? How can we be saved? If, if, if this good man who's done everything right, if he messed up, how can anyone? How can anyone attain heaven? How can anyone be right with God? And Jesus says, it's impossible for you, but now with God. All things are possible. All things. And so we look through scriptures and we come upon one of the most powerful passages in all of the scriptures. You see, we can read all through Romans and we can, we can summarize it in one statement. Our efforts fall short, but God prepared a way through Jesus. And in John 14, 6, he summarizes it. Jesus summarizes it so perfectly. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life, the only way to eternal life, the only way to the Father, having a relationship with God forever, is through Him. Our efforts fail, but God doesn't fail. It is possible to know the Father because of Jesus. It's possible to have eternal life in heaven because of Jesus. And so the rich young ruler I thought if, if you could be good enough, you'd be accepted. And that's why so many people live their lives. They, they, they feel like if they can do enough good, their good will outweigh their bad. And how many funerals have you, have you been to? There's been so many that I've been to 
whether it's my own family or with other people. And, and the common language is, he's in a better place. She's in a better place. She was such a good person and lived such a great life. I'm so happy that she's in a better place now. As if being good is what gets you a ticket into heaven, right? But that's not the case. There is nowhere in Scripture where that comes up as a truth. That is a lie. That is something that, that Satan wants to trick people into thinking that if you're good enough, your good will outweigh your bad and you'll be okay with God. He'll forgive you. But that's not the case. What instead should be said is that person lived a great life. And because of their faith in Jesus and them putting their hope in His resurrection, His death, His burial, His conquering of the grave, His conquering over sin, over their sin, they believed and are now in the presence of God. Because of their belief and trust in giving their life to Jesus, they had access to the Father for all of eternity. That's what should be said. Maybe you could summarize it in a little more concise way, but because of their faith and belief in giving their life to Jesus, it is that that brings us into eternal life with Jesus the Father. It is that and that alone we must put our faith in Him. 1 Timothy 2.5 says it this way. It says, there's one God and one mediator. One person that comes between us and God. You see, we can't be in the presence of God because of our sin. One evil thing that we do separates us from God for all of eternity. But Jesus came. There is one mediator, that person that comes between us and reconciles us, makes us right with God. And that is Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. And then John 1.12 adds, all who did receive him, who did believe in his name, he gave right to become children of God. We must believe. And then belief isn't necessarily what what gives us that right relationship. It's a giving of our lives to God in trusting Him with our lives, that He is in control, that we will willingly submit to Him. You see, when we put our faith in Him, we put our belief in Him, we give Him our life, it means that we give up our power to Him. We let Him take control of our lives. He becomes the driver in the driver's seat of our lives. He becomes the pilot of our, of our plane. He directs us. The rich young ruler, remember, had faith that Jesus was God. Right? He called him the good teacher. He understood that. But Jesus takes it a step further. and He's like, you have something that you're not willing to give up, young man. You're not willing to give up your success and your ways to be right with God. You must give that up. You must not hold on to anything. All of your life belongs to me. All of your life belongs to Him. Jesus is God. You are not. Will you give Him control of your life? 
submit to him. Jim Elliott masterly stated it this way. He is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool to give up what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. You must give up your life to gain eternal life, to gain a relationship with God where the one who created you knows you through and through and you give willingly to receive his gift. And so would you reflect upon that today as we come to a close and and we process what what we've talked about today, the rich young ruler had it all. He looked good on the outside, but on the inside, he had things he wasn't willing to give up. He wasn't willing to give up his success or his wealth. What is it for you? What is it that you're holding on to? And maybe, maybe you've held on to it for so long, you're not even cognitive. You, you, you can't even recognize that you have a grip around this area of your life. Would you step back and ask the Holy Spirit to reveal to you that area which you're holding on to? We're all holding on to something. We're all falling short. Now maybe... Now, maybe you're not willing to believe Jesus. That is the first step. You need to believe that he died for you to be right with God. That his death on the cross, his perfect life that he lived, he sacrificed himself on the cross so that we could be seen as perfect in God's eyes. You need to first believe that. And when you believe that and you receive that into your heart, then the next step is to willingly give yourself to him, to have complete control of your life. Would you do that? Would you do that? It's as simple as believing Jesus and saying, I've fallen short. I, I, I can't live a perfect life. But I believe that you did, and that you made a way for me to be right with my Father, your Father, God. I give you my life. I want to live for you. And then for the rest of us who have given our lives to Jesus, made him our Savior and our Lord, our person who redeems us and makes us right with God and the one who calls the shots in our life. And for those of us, myself, there are areas, I guarantee you, you're not perfect yet. You're not in the presence of God yet where all sin is wiped away forever. We're all in process. We live on earth. We will make mistakes but with the power of the Holy Spirit revealing to you and empowering you to live like Jesus, we can take continued step towards that goal of being in God's presence and perfect forever. And so would you ask Jesus, through the power of the Holy Spirit, will you reveal to me areas that I need to give to you? And will you empower me to give up those areas? And so, Father, I pray for every person listening that they will indeed give up those areas in their life that they're holding back. Maybe they're not realizing it. Maybe they're not aware of it. But, God, I pray that you would reveal that to them. 
and that through the power of your Holy Spirit, you would give them power to overcome because there's so many areas in our lives that we've held on to for so long. We don't know how to do it, but with you, all things are possible. All things that lead us to godliness are possible. You wouldn't call us to something unless you made it possible through your Holy Spirit. So we claim that today. We want to become more like you. We want to give up our control of our lives so that we can live in freedom in following you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Nexus Church family, for joining us today, and we will see you again real soon.